Most popular world histories contain the phrase out of Africa, and almost everyone who reads it is treated to an account like this. After evolving in Africa and staying there for hundreds of thousands of years, a single family of people left their homeland and crossed into Southwest Asia. These intrepid explorers were the first of their kind outside the continent, and everyone else on Earth today is descended from this one group. These peoples kickstarted a cultural revolution that laid the seeds for the development of agriculture and civilization. Okay, clearly we know that this narrative is wrong. As we've just seen, ancestors have lived in Africa since the revolution 350,000 years ago, but they were already undergoing changes in aesthetic sense and other aspects of culture. There wasn't a need to move elsewhere to find that. And on a technical level, that story was wrong because we're now realizing that Southwest Asia may have been populated by ancestors for a lot longer than we thought. Currently, the earliest known evidence of ancestors outside the African continent is found in the Levant, the western coastal region in Southwest Asia that today encompasses Syria, Jordan, Israel, and other neighboring countries. At the Mislia cave site at Mount Carmel, Israel, were unearthed the remains of an upper jawbone, or maxilla, and several stone tools that were dated to between 194,000 and 177,000 years ago. Nearby at Eskul and Kafsa cave sites were unearthed more complete remains, including entire skeletons, this time dated from 110,000 to 90,000 years ago. Further to the south, in the site of Jebel Faya in the present-day United Arab Emirates, was found a series of stone tools at Assemblage C, one of the oldest layers uncovered. What is striking about these tools is not only their date, roughly 125,000 years old, but their uncanny resemblance to the Nubian complex, a stone toolkit from directly across the Red Sea, in the lands of northeastern Africa. This similarity has prompted some researchers to, albeit controversially, tie the two toolkits together as evidence that the peoples who made the Assemblage C tools are directly related to the people who created the Nubian complex. There is a notable human presence in Arabia by 85,000 years ago, as evidenced by bones and stone tools. All of these skeletal remains and toolkits suggest that parts of Southwest Asia were intertwined with Africa, and that ancestors inhabited that region for nearly as long as they've been on their ancestral continent. The environmental evidence tells us that the Levant in Arabia often fluctuated between dry desert and warm wetland around 220,000, 200 to 194,000, 180 to 170,000, 130,000, and 80,000 years ago. The conditions created corridors that were stable enough to allow ancestors to enter and inhabit the region and make use of the abundant plant and animal resources that had to have been present in those places. There is some possible genetic evidence to support the presence of ancestors in Southwest Asia from an early age. The maternal haplogroup L3 is understood to be one of the common ancestral lines to which all non-African populations descend from, and its highest occurrence is in Northern Africa and Southwest Asia. Similarly, paternal haplogroup CF has a strong Asian presence and encompasses the common ancestry of most male lines outside Africa. There is even a detected population of ancestors dubbed Basal Eurasians, whose origin predates the founding lineages of all living peoples in Eurasia today. There is very good evidence of an early entry of ancestors into Southwest Asia almost 200,000 years ago, but it should be clarified that humans were not simply leaving Africa, they were often returning there too. Some of the maternal lines of haplogroup L3 re-entered Africa sometime around 70,000 years ago, so it seems that ancestors moved back and forth through Northeast Africa and Southwest Asia, perhaps constantly. When ancestors entered Southwest Asia, they encountered other humans living there, the Neanderthals. If you have an interest in genetics, you may already be aware that Homo sapiens and Homo neanderthalensis interbred in the distant past. 
Every human alive today that is not of immediate African ancestry contains some Neanderthal DNA in their genome, with that number ranging 1.5 to 2.1 percent. From the studies that have been done, there doesn't appear to be any traces of Neanderthal DNA in African populations, or more specifically, in African populations that did not originate outside the continent. That tells us that these interbreeding events occurred after ancestors began to spread outside Africa into Southwest Asia, and we've been able to specify the regions where these occurrences took place. Most interactions between Neanderthals and ancestors seem to have happened in or near the Levant, where there were periods of coexistence between the two species, starting 65,000 years ago and lasting until at least 47,000 years ago. There is no hint of any Neanderthal mitochondrial DNA in Homo sapiens present in the genetic studies we do have. It seems that only when male Neanderthals mated with female ancestors were viable offspring born, while mixings between female Neanderthals and male ancestors didn't leave anything that survived. There was even talk among paleoanthropologists and geneticists about what sorts of traits these Neanderthal ancestor hybrids inherited, with evidence suggesting contributions to physiology, changes in the immune system, and even an increased risk of certain illnesses. We can only speculate as to what these hybridizations meant to the people who practiced it. Was it romance? Sexual assault? Experimentation? Who knows? Whatever it was, it left a notable impression in the ancestors who ventured deep into Eurasia. Just what drove ancestors to expand their ranges further away from Southwest Asia? For starters, it has become increasingly clear that Homo sapiens populations made multiple movements away from Africa, with archaeological and genetic evidence suggesting that these earlier groups made it to East Asia by 120,000 to 80,000 years ago. There was a large series of teeth that was found in Daoxin County in Hunan, China, that bears the key characteristics attributable to Homo sapiens. The limited scope of these early remains has proved difficult to analyze, and there has been much debate about them but the best evidence we have tells us that there was a seemingly large expansion of ancestor groups out of Africa and into much of the Eurasian continent, around 120,000 years ago, and that these peoples predated the direct ancestors of living Asian populations. They left barely any trace in the DNA of humans today, save for some faint traces among the Papuan peoples of New Guinea, roughly 2% of their genomes, and that tells us that this expansion event went largely extinct prior to, or at least as, more ancestor groups moved onto the continent with these populations lasting until 15,000 years ago. What may have driven these peoples towards extinction? Geologic evidence tells us that a massive volcanic eruption took place on present-day Lake Toba on the island of Sumatra, Indonesia. Around 75,000 years ago, the Toba volcano exploded and sent over 18.5 miles of ash into the air, which would have blanketed vast regions of southern Asia and reached as far as Arabia, China, and southern Africa. In fact, the eruption is thought to have produced Lake Toba itself. This was one of the largest volcanic eruptions that ever occurred during the history of our species, and its effect on Homo sapiens populations has been debated with great ferocity. In essence, it is controversial to establish any links between the eruption and the livelihoods of the people living at the time, but there is curious evidence that provides good arguments for at least some connection. Genetic evidence tells us of population bottlenecks occurring after this time events which lowered the population numbers of many large mammals, including Homo sapiens. Archaeological evidence indicates that some of these peoples did survive the impact winter that must have followed the Topo eruption, with one site in South Africa showing a continuity between tool types, without any hint of just how they were affected. Some authors, like Peter Watson, have even speculated that the prevalence of heaven and earth myths, that is, creation stories that tell of a separation between the earth and sky, followed by the later appearance of the sun and moon, 
may be a deep cultural memory of the Toba impact winter, where the cold ash and snow created a darkened period of time after which sunlight returned to the world. Regardless of the controversy, the Toba eruption would have been a remarkable event, and the correlation between the replacement of the old Homo sapiens groups with newer ancestor lines and the volcanic eruption shouldn't be thrown away too lightly. Climatological evidence gives us some clues as to what may have facilitated this earlier dispersal across Eurasia, as well as the primary founding one for all living Eurasian groups that occurred between 70,000 and 60,000 years ago. As previously stated, we recognize that the environment of Africa and Southwest Asia went through periods of warm and wet conditions that would have made traveling for ancestors a little easier, easy enough to make it as far as present-day China. For the latter expansion, Africa was experiencing increasingly cooler and drier changes, where the lush corridors that sustained earlier ancestors were nearly gone. It has been speculated that these harsh conditions for people living in the border between Northeast Africa and Southwest Asia may have prompted some of these groups to look for greener pastures, but we have no way of knowing for sure. All we can be sure of is this. Once ancestors started migrating out of Southwest Asia, they began to leave a strong and definitive mark on the lands of Eurasia and beyond. These individuals would have been well equipped for the journeys because some curious evidence tells us that proper clothing was developed roughly 72,000 years ago plus or minus 42,000 years. By looking at the DNA of two closely related species of human lice, head lice and body lice, geneticists have been able to show that the two split from a common ancestor during that time. Because head lice can only survive among human hair, and body lice are adapted to the fabric of clothing, the survival of the two species rests on the occurrence of outer garments. Of related interest was that this particular study found that the diversity of lice in Africa was greater than that elsewhere in the world, pointing to clothing being a development prior to the spread of people away from the continent. What about archaeological evidence? Can it help lower the estimated range of dates to something more secure? As far as the best remains tell us, the oldest tools associated with clothing manufacture, bone awls from South Africa, are roughly 76,000 years old. It's only later, when people began to reach the northern hemisphere, that bone needles become more prominent, with the oldest of these tools dated to 45,000 years ago. To continue this episode, please go to part 3.